This is Rachel Joy Barbeau. As part of the launch for my new book, Relentless Joy, that's due out June 20th, my friends got together and created a book launch team. Y'all, I am so blessed. So very blessed. In that group, they're getting some behind-the-scenes details from the book, and we've been discussing the book together each week. I wanted to share some of those stories with you. So over the next few weeks, you're going to get bonus podcasts that contain short stories and lessons from our discussions. You're going to hear Natasha Garrett, who's our book launch captain and also serves, and I'm changing the narrative, and you'll hear from me and maybe some others. I hope this gets you excited about the book. Pre-order details are in the show notes, and I got to tell you, as a first-time published author, pre-orders are everything. Please go grab a copy for you and for others. Love you guys. Sometimes we lose people or have traumatic events in our lives, we lose our way and we make, we stumble and we screw up and we make bad decisions and we're not proud of ourselves. The first step is recognizing is talking to the North Star, the person, you know, and God, your, your mom, your dad, whoever that person is for you and recognizing that and then saying, Hey, I I don't want to. I don't want to do this anymore. I want something different for my life. And I, I think that's a powerful exercise to do, Natasha. Yes. And just as a reminder, no matter what your story is, whether you've gone the wrong way in a relationship, yep. whether you've gone the wrong way down the wrong road, no matter what it is, making whatever decisions you've made in life, you've never gone too far down the wrong road that yes. you can't turn around and go back. I mean, never. I mean, how yes. far is too far? Never. As long as you're alive, yes, you can change it. You can fix it. You can do something different. You can start today. It's never too late. I was having a conversation with someone at work the other day, and we were just talking about people making bad decisions. And so often, we're so easy. Imagine what you would say. Like, what would you say to someone right in front of you that you care about that was telling you that they had made all the bad decisions that you've made? What would you say to them? Oh, that's so... Don't say those things to yourself. This is exactly what we teach and I'm changing the narrative. And by the way, Natasha serves with us. Josh is in Joy Starters. Um, James is in Joy Starters and Jackie's related to me. So, um, but this is what we teach in the movement. And that is we are out here trying to give others love and grace and get love and affirmation from others, but we're not even giving it to ourselves. And Mm -hmm. Natasha, you're saying if Natasha was standing in front of you, Telling you these things, you would give Natasha grace, right? You would, you would do that. And it's you, you need to, you need to give yourself grace. I I talk about this throughout the book and, and throughout the movement. My gracious, we are so kind and loving to other people a lot of times. And we're mean as a snake to our own selves. We say negative things to ourselves and we would never dare speak to another human being the way we speak to ourselves within, you know, the, the space between our ears. I want to read this really quickly. But what I love about God is that he's already there, ready to meet us in our missteps. I do not believe it was time to get an apartment. And I'm giving you a little bit of the story, but it did give Christopher and me the opportunity to have a discussion that I desperately needed to have. I am reminded of Romans 8, 28, as we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Let me stop to remind you right now that you're not too far gone, too messed up, or too defective. Those are the lies of the enemy. If you're still breathing, like Natasha said, there is still time to get it right. 
you picked up this book on purpose. There is no word for coincidence in the Hebrew language. This message is for you. And we have been saying all along with this book that uh, it's like the lunch line. And our friend Heather kind of helped us refine this because I, I said, it's like the lunch line. There's something for everybody because this, this originated because I was interviewing a, a coach at the national championship out in California. And I asked him, he was a mentored by another famous coach. And he said, you know, Rachel, it's kind of like the lunch line, you know? And he said, you take an or apple from this guy, an orange from this guy. Josh will get this because he's in sports reporting. And you take this and then you get, you know, you, you look down at your plate and you've got all these things and you're a compilation of all those things. Well, I started thinking about that and I said, well, you know, uh, this book is like, take the square pizza, take the hash browns and the hot milk. Don't take the mystery meat. You don't know. How, but maybe not everything is for you. And I said, take Take what you need and leave the rest. And Heather had the great, the great way to say it. She said, take what you need and, and give away the rest. And so that's the way I'm pitching this book to people is saying, Hey, listen, every part of this book may not be for you. You may circle past this chapter and be like, I'm married 30 years. What do I got to talk about? You know, this journey of the prodigal daughter. I would say overall, we, cause we talked about this like last week, allegorical, metaphorical, all of that. Overall, the message is that God doesn't hate you. He's not an angry and vengeful God, and he's mad at you. And what the enemy would like for you to believe in your brokenness is that you're too far gone, and you can't come home, and he's, he's going to yell at you, and he's going he's gonna to punish you. And even in my personal, what, what I know, biblically, what I know to be was not the right moves. I went home where I was supposed to be all along versus moving in with my fiance. I went home and, and I found that I was the prodigal daughter and that God had a ring and a robe for me and a barbecue and a gardenia bush that was my mom's that has these big old gardenia blooms on it. <laughs> Not the little ones, the big ones that like smell up your house. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of people out there that are expecting God to be mad at him and he's not. And, he just wants you to come home. He's got a ring and a robe and a barbecue for you. Yeah. So, like I said, every chapter I think is my favorite. This one, like the power of, you know, chapter eight, the power of vulnerability. I really think that that just embodies who you are and the foundation of what you do. Everything that you do boils right back down to being vulnerable. Because if you were not vulnerable and if you did not talk about how you feel and and your experiences and what you see and the difficult conversations, you wouldn't have I'm changing the narrative. You wouldn't have relentless joy. Yeah. <laughs> Be where you are in this life, you know? Um, so I really think that this is kind of the foundation of who you are and what you do. I you know do it too, Natasha. I notice it in other people. You do it too. And, <laughs> I think like attracts like. And I think uh, not to cut you off, and I just want to say, I think that some people are going to get this book and go, this is what I am. I'm a joy starter. There's a name for it. Yeah. And then other people are going to get this book and go, I want to be more like that. And this is a way to learn to be more like that. I, I Very quickly, I'll, I'll tell you, I was in a cab. I do a lot of work with Border Patrol out in Arizona. And I was in a cab and I was doing some work on the Super Bowl and Border Patrol and different things this past February. And I started talking to this woman in, in the in the Uber. And she said, um, she said, you know, I, uh, we're talking about positivity and being open and sharing. And she said, you know, I always, I wasn't always like this and open to talk to you. And he, but she said, I actually, I was quite a negative person. 
And she said, I was closed off. I was pessimistic and I was negative. And she said something so profound yet so simple. She goes, I got sick and tired of myself. And she said, so I didn't want to live like this anymore. And I started studying positivity and, and mindfulness and love. I started watching new people and listening to new things. And she was like, and it was a process. She said, but I don't consider myself to be a pessimist anymore. I don't consider myself to be a negative person anymore. Dare I say, I consider myself to be a positive person. And she was like, but I had to get sick and tired of myself for that to happen. And I was like, you know, and so um, I think that wherever you are, we just said it in the last chapter, but I'm going to keep repeating it for this book. You're going to find yourself in these pages, either who you want to be or where you are walking now. I had a girlfriend say to me at the gym, Jamie, she said, I see myself in your writing. And she goes, your grandmother and your mom and the big honking blueberry muffin. She goes, that was me and my dad. We took candy bars to the nursing home. And she said, so I would I'd laugh at you and the hippos and then I'd be crying. And so for somebody to say they see my, themselves in the pages, I just think is so awesome, Natasha. Yeah. And, and a lot of people do. Um, I mean, of course, I do. You and I know as we get to know each other, I think we realize we're more alike than we ever knew. For instance, I used to every year on my birthday when my kids were little, I would go do random acts of kindness. Like that was my yeah. birthday to myself was to take the kids around town. And the first time we did it, the kids were scared and they were scared to approach people or to do things because we had never done something that radical before. I mean, we were literally driving all around our town, hanging baggies of change on on Coke machines and putting money inside the, you know, like at the dollar store and the toy <laughs> aisle and like taking brownies to fire department and our doctor's offices and stuff. And at first, the kids didn't want to do it. So at every location, we I'd be like, okay, who's going to do it? And I, it had to be me the first few times. But then they were like, I want to do it. I want to do it. And by the end of it, Dylan, my youngest one, he was really young at the time. He goes, we're going to be on the news for sure. Like, we're totally going to be on the news. And I was like, that's not what this is about. And we're not going to be on the news. Like, we but, did it all secretly. You, talk, you, you laid a foundation. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to name which son of hers it was, but it was kind of neat. I, even before I met Natasha, and I've told you this story, but I spoke at her son's school and there was a, a kid there that was, had come up to me afterwards and he was having a, a moment and a full on moment where he was admitting that he had had thoughts to harm himself. And he said, I have no friends and I don't feel like I have friends. And Natasha's son was standing there. And without, this has got to be the proud moment, mom, for you. And I know you have many of them, but without even hesitation or anybody saying, it was just me and this kid and her son. And without hesitation, her son said, I'll be your friend and just hug this little boy. And I, you have those moments in life where you just step back and you're witnessing something that's like soul altering. And that was soul altering that day. And there are things that you go, how do I even get to be a part of this? You know, like, oh, am I even blessed to be a part of this? And so you are, you're raising your, that, that kindness that you instilled in them from a young age, they're walking out when you're not around, Natasha. And that's exactly the definition of the ripple effect, like (laughs) everything, you know, everything that you're writing and, and, 
and sharing and everything, everyone that takes it in. I mean, there are people that don't even, that will never read your book that will benefit from your book. There are people that will never read your book that will pass stories and lessons of your book along because they've gotten it from someone who did read your book or who did experience or come into contact with someone who read your book. So, um, I mean, this is just the start. (laughs) But um, to get back to the power of vulnerability chapter, I'm just kind of reading over some of the notes that I took as I was reading it. So I wrote down, um, you telling your story allows others to, number one, know that they're not alone. And number two, feel safe to share their story. And then also learn from your path that there is a path. There is a way out. There is a path through it. There is the other side. It's so good. And if you have if you're a sports fan, um, it's funny. I was just talking to my neighbors. I've got it's gonna go in book two and we haven't figured out the name or whatever. I'm gonna start writing that this fall. Um, but I've got stories about Bobby Bowden, stories about Bill Snyder, stories about um uh Nick and Terry Sabin, um, just crazy stories. But this story is about Dak Prescott. And so America's quarterback and an amazing human being uh is who he espouses to be. And um, without giving away the whole story, a lot happened and there's a lot more to it, but I will read you just a little chapter. I was there doing an interview with him. And during the interview, there were times we both got misty-eyed, but there was also laughter and joy. I felt Peggy, that was his mom, and my father, David, all around us. Dak talked about managing expectations and smiled at the Heisman Trophy talk. This is when he was at Mississippi State. Given to the most outstanding player in college football, Dak was a front runner. He wouldn't stay on that topic, though. He was more anxious to talk about his team and his Peggy. What a guy. I could tell her anything, and she would tell me anything. He said, she was my best friend. What she taught me, I want to portray to the world. Dak's connection to his mother was apparent even from an early age. When he was 10, Peggy did not have enough money for Christmas. She promised her boys that when her income tax check came in, they would all have Christmas. In the meantime, she handed each one of her boys a $100 bill. Off they went to the mall to pick up their Christmas wares. But instead of spending the money on himself, 10-year-old Dak came back with a fancy makeup set and mirror for his mama. According to family, friends, and teammates, and coaches, that's just who Dak is. And so you'll learn a lot in this chapter about who he was, about who, what shaped him growing up. But, uh, but y'all, it was, he and I sat down for that interview And it was because we had had a moment before the interview where we shared a mutual pain, mutual loss, the loss of our parents. And because of that, like the walls fell down, y'all. And woo, you know, like when you get vulnerable with people, uh, and I always have to use this caveat, be smart about who you're vulnerable with. I, I, I don't want you to go standing at the street corner or screaming in your break room at work. I have bad issues. I struggle with this. Yeah, I always say get comfortable being uncomfortable, but manage your uncomfortable. Make sure it's with people that are going to support you. Um, but when you do get vulnerable with people, when you do take risks like writing a really bold chapter or writing a book or... Any of those things that you feel called to do, um, there is so much beauty that can come out of that vulnerability. I like how a lot of times you put words to things that I've not had words for, like right. be a noticer. Like I, 
I have not had the that phrase or the word to put on it, but no, I use it all the time. I'm like, you know, I'll hear, I'll see other people being noticers and I'm like, way to be a noticer. I love that. And I just wrote like, look for kindness opportunities because they're all around. Yes. The day that we did all those random acts of kindness on my birthday every year. Yeah. We made people feel great, but like we went home feeling like a million bucks. Yes. It wasn't because we got (laughs) any kind of recognition or anything. It's just because we got to see people's reactions or we got to walk away knowing that someone's going to come across that and they're going to be so excited. Yeah. It makes other people feel better, but it makes you feel a hundred times better. 